Hey, what's up, guys? This is Adam Hendershot here um, with you for the first episode of my new podcast. The podcast name is is All of Us, and the reason it's and the reason that it's named All of Us is because there's something that's happening right now in the whole world. It's the third industrial revolution. Now, everyone's a part of it. Now, I, I don't think you know. My, my first guest here, um, Zach, my brother, mm-hmm. business partner, um, he was just saying that this is a topic that's not currently mainstream, but we think it should be. Mm. Um, this is something I'm really passionate about. Um, this is something that in the next even 10 years, I mean, but in 30 to 40 years, this, this will absolutely change um, the way you and I and everyone else, our families, loved ones, uh, live our lives. So um, the reason it's called All of Us is because it's all of us um, together moving into the third industrial revolution. Um, and I'm an entrepreneur, like I said. My brother's an entrepreneur. We're business partners. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being on the first episode, Zach. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. This is a uh, this is something that we've we've talked about for a while now. We found we found a talk actually. I don't know how long ago mm-hmm. it was, and mm-hmm. there's this this businessman talking about aggregate efficiency in the third industrial revolution. And it yeah. was a super long talk, but we watched all of it and it just it fascinated me. Um, people, I guess they, they know they probably remember learning about the second industrial revolution in, in high school mm-hmm. or maybe even the first, but, but the third one is the one that we're a part of and it right. might be the biggest change of all ever. So <laughs> definitely. Um, well, and to, and to speak, uh, sorry to cut you off. Oh, um, but the, the, the guy he was referring to in that talk, um, there's a vice, um, video on YouTube. If you look it up, it's, it's named, excuse me, the third industrial revolution, a radical new sharing economy. Now, if you go listen to that, um, he's going to break down in pretty good detail, um, kind of the themes that I'm laying out here. Um, but his, this guy's name is Jeremy Rifkin, and he, uh, and he's basically an advisor to. He's an economist. That's really what he is by trade, um, and he advises um, Angela Merkel. She is the she is the prime minister of Germany. Um, he works very closely with with China as well, um, and their uh, I don't know what their leadership um, position is called, president, whatever, prime minister. Prime minister I sure, believe, I believe so. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but the the reason I named those two in particular is because as far as um, the fundamental parts um, that move economic life, which would be transportation, technology, and communication, Mm -hmm. um, they're the most advanced, right? China and uh, Germany, Mm -hmm. they are on the right track, right? Um, But something that I think, you know, in America, we're so tapped into the second industrial revolution infrastructure that it's going to be hard to move to the third, right? Now, I think it's important, um, Zach, in your understanding, what what were the main things, like what, what, what were the main technologies that moved the first and second industrial revolution? And we can just discuss it right from the beginning. So in the first industrial revolution, obviously, let's go, let's go communication, right? What, what was... What was that big communication thing, specifically with the printing press? How do you, how did that change the way people were receiving information? Well, the, the printing press was revolutionary because before its invention, if something was to be copied and, and distributed, it had to be hand copied by a mm-hmm. single human being right. that would literally read an entire, let's say it's a book, 
they would read that they'd literally just have to copy by hand everything. Right. So it would take absolute ages to 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 right. to double something, you know, or to um, you know duplicate something and, and get right. it out. It, right. Especially like in the newspaper, when when people started using the printing press for newspapers, information could get to people so much faster. That so the scalability it was like the biggest part of that, right? Of course it was. Sure. Um, the the printing press allowed allowed uh, like a news organization to to get I, I don't know the technical numbers of how much faster sure. they could get out information but but be, because of this um, the economy was able to move so much quicker because people got their information quicker and right. that's kind of the name of the game is is how are people going to know that there's change coming how are people mm-hmm. supposed to know that there's mm-hmm. something going on if they sure. if they don't get if they don't get that information so sure no I think you hit the most important parts and I mean with that said we can move on to the to one of the other infrastructures, which would be, um, so we got communication, we had transportation, the first industrial revolution, right? Mm-hmm. So first, I mean, it really, I mean, well, first it actually might be better to go to energy because energy is always what moves transportation, right? Mm-hmm. So the energy source was coal. And I'm, of course, you know that. Um, and I can speak on that a little bit. Yeah, so, sure, go ahead. And then first industrial revolution, that was the first, um, that was the first way that we, f- we found a natural resource that could power our lives, right? We found something that we can and, – and they were so smart in the first Industrial Revolution. Oh, my goodness, yeah. They were because they took coal, right, and they, they found out how to make a steam engine, right? So, so they're using now steam to power factories. Their machines are better, mm-hmm. more productive machines, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now you have people working on these machines. Productivity is so high, right? Yep. So, so this is, is increasing productivity in the sense that you're just producing more goods and services, mm-hmm. right? So that was really important. Now, with coal, the, the key here is, you know, it's, it's dirty. It's very dirty. It's very dirty. It's, it's, very, not, it's, it's very not sustainable. Da- it's very dangerous. Very dangerous, exactly. Coal so, mining is incredibly dangerous. Right. So. So, so coal mining, that whole process of creating that energy was very, very dangerous. Um, but like I said, they were really smart. What they were able to do is they were able to take that steam engine, throw it on a locomotive, right? Yes. <laughs> and now now all that, the- pff, yo, the train, yo, the locomotive, that, that, that was so huge. To, 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 to be able to go from taking things across the country in a covered wagon well, or on horseback. Well, guys, and think about this. <laughs> think about this. Railroad is still the number one transportation source people, that people, moves that moves goods. People have no idea. It still is number one. Because think about it. Trucks could never keep up with with A trains, train? no, like moving no, no. goods. There's you know, no, they they move, don't stop. They, they don't move, have to stop. <laughs> more natural resources are moved by railroad than any other mode of transportation. So if that gives you any indication as to how big of a deal that was in the 1800s, I don't know what will. You know what especially I mean? in 2019 that it's right. still the top it's still, it's still there right now, now and now they're making hyperloop they're making highly efficient yeah. you know they're I mean, not running on coal anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> just uh disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, yeah disclaimer sure <laughs> but um yeah that, that was huge um you know and that and that speaks to transportation now people in america were it used to they used to have to take a wagon across literal months to the west. I mean, they, they'd be traveling for months. People would die, disease. I mean, it was ba- literal, horrible. like literal, literally. People would just get eaten by bears. And now, now <laughs> think, think, think about that. Think about that paradigm shift from 
traveling across the nation about moving your family, creating a new life, it went from this is a life, you know, this is we're risking our lives to make this happen. It went from that to I can get there in a couple of days on a train. Yep. So that that's a big deal. That was a huge deal. Yeah, I don't think even pe- people. I I can only imagine people at the time. Oh my you know what God, I'm saying? Like, no. like, like what, like how much their paradigm shifted? <laughs> Holy shit, man. Like, no, seriously. it's gotta be, it just had to be crazy to, to be what? There's a giant metal horse no. on a, <laughs> on a I track, can, you know, and, and just like it is today, like I can imagine the reaction to it, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, Imagine well, the old heads at that time were like, oh, it'll never be better than a horse. Yeah. You're like, yeah, but it already yeah. is, man. Mm-hmm. Just like people right now are like, oh, the internet. Yeah. People right. still say that stuff. So oh. I can't even imagine it. It's the, the time. same shit every single time. There's always a doubter. Yep. There's every always a doubter in the older generation. There's always an old fart in the old generation that doesn't want to see change, but, you know, it's going to happen. They're going to get left behind or they're going to be a part of it. That's that's really just how the world works. So It is. Um so yeah, and that's really what this show is all about. You know, it's better to adapt to the change um, and, and leverage that for your for your own benefit rather than become a victim of it. So absolutely, um, and you can easily become a victim of it if you don't you buy can. into the the new infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, <laughs> that's what happened to people when they didn't accept the second industrial revolution. That's a yeah. that's a pretty good segue actually. So with the second industrial revolution, let's get into the communication. So I mean, it was the printing press. Now, there's actually several technologies. Yeah, there are several. A couple right? things, yeah. So, I mean, the first one that came out was obviously um, Telegraph, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So Telegraph was tick, huge. Tick, 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 tick. Right. So, so Telegraph, I mean, it, it honestly was never a scaled technology where no. individuals could telegraph each other. You know, just it's mostly you know, Martha maybe. from Nebraska couldn't telegraph. Her sister. In right, her, right. Yeah. That's not how it worked. It was more of a military technology. It was very... Um, it wasn't privatized. It was it was very much um, used by the powerful people in the world. Yeah, usually, maybe time. maybe high level businesses, government, sure. all that kind of stuff. Well, and something else that I didn't actually mention was um, the U.S. Postal Service, mm. which is huge, huge communication technology. <coughs> um, you know what? And I actually don't know much about that, but I do know that um, you know people still use it today. The Postal Service is a, a, one of those. Um, it's one of those socialist programs in mm-hmm. the United States that I really agree with. Of you course, know, yeah. We, we, I, I think there should be some kind of centralized um, communication system. Of course, I so, agree 100%. So I think that was huge for our development uh, as a country and as, as a world, you know, just in general. But apart from that, um, you know, the telegraph. But you know what? The, the biggest one, the huge one was the telephone. The telephone changed everything. It, it, people, the fact no, that, no, no, hold. I mean, people thought the internet was big. No, man. The phone from where they came from. No, no, no. So yeah. much bigger. The, the, the percentage of jump in, you know, like the, 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 the difference was much bigger than like, we at least yeah. had technologies that could kind of compare to some stuff like today, you know, like, yeah. but at the time they had nothing close to, I can talk to somebody on the know. other side of the country. What did I you say? The world. And at that time, people probably didn't even believe that. Yeah. I, they, well, I, I mean, probably thought it was witchcraft. No, one hundred percent. I bet they did. I bet they yeah. did. But you know, that was that was huge. I mean, uh, telephone. That's that's huge. It's I mean, something that everybody today takes for granted, and it's something that um, I, I I've known that even you know through us growing up. Um, I, I, I'm sure you've you've talked to so many people who are like, oh, I, I just want to text. I don't want to talk on the phone. 
it's like just throwing that out the window of mm-hmm. like how big of a deal that they take it so mm-hmm. for granted that mm-hmm. well and that's and that's well there's a it's whole other issue that goes into no, that but, but that's an interesting point you you bring up because um this is this is a little bit of a tangent but i don't really care um Basically, it's the idea that the different generations that we're living in right now that we all are, we all are experiencing, um, we all use different communication platforms. Yes, right? we do. So, um, like my brother and I, our parents' generation, hmm. maybe a little bit older than them, um, they're really used to being on the phone. Yes, they, like our that, grandma. Right. That, that if, if you want to talk to someone, you call them. That's right? how our grandma you is. You call them. Yep. You don't email, you call, right? Yep. Um, but then the generation right under them which i'm not sure which generation that technically is called it's one of those generations generation <laughs> x or z or i think F. it's i think it, no i think it's no those are the newer ones i think it's uh they might be the baby boomers mom and dad i think well mom and dad are the baby boomers i think they're like the but, last year of it but basically like anyway the, the one generation that, yeah. yeah right like just younger than them the main thing that they use to do business is email mm-hmm. and if and if you know anything about kind of the dem, the demography of um business and economic life today that is the generation that is controlling most of the market share oh absolutely so so as it stands right now i know this would be a surprising statistic for some of you um i actually don't know i don't have the number right here but um i guess it's a rumor at this point but more business more deals more revenue is made through email than any other communication platform Still. Still, right Still. now, to this day. And, and and that's another one. People are, even though it's so recent, people are already trying to throw email out the window. Right. Maybe not in mass because obviously the numbers say mm-hmm. that factually that it's still the biggest. Yeah. But I've talked to people who are like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people don't use email. As a matter of fact, just um, don't. I, I know a guy uh, locally I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, his name is uh, Butch Stoller. Butch, man. Yeah, I was talking to my mom about him. He's a he's an awesome business owner. Um, he had like a distribution company for different um, real well, estate companies and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he did um, construction materials. Construction materials. Yep. Um, great entrepreneur, but he's a guy. He's focused on the relationships. He's not. He's like, I'm never going to get email. I have people that can um, do emails for me, and he's this guy's like, I'm going to be on the phone. And he's just in that generation we were talking about, you know. And he's ran. He's successfully ran a business for what 20 30 years yeah, only um, probably over 30 yeah and he's and, become a multimillionaire, never using an email <laughs> yeah i know so that <laughs> he's means, like a very very wealthy man it's incredible right. it's crazy but like right. we would never think about not using email because we Hell still well. use it to this day yeah i, you know? I like email i mean i, I think it's convenient it, yeah. for certain things specifically i mean mm-hmm. you don't use it for general communication necessarily right. you, you we we will call or text people or send a voice memo but if you're sending a contract to somebody via dot loop you email it to them Right. And then they can right. sign a con. See, right. that's what the thing. People, you can sign contracts to buy a house over email. Mm-hmm. Do you know how fucking crazy that is, people? Like, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. You can buy a house over email? Yeah. You can buy anything over email now. But you can. You can. It's all contracts. <laughs> it's crazy. It's all contracts. You can wire money virtually. You can do everything virtually now. And that's huge. And it that is. And that kind of speaks to our generation. It does. You know, we really care about, we really care about our time and making things efficient that's that's what i that's it's a, a lot huge of people see a lot of people see. a lot of people in the older generations that are like oh those lazy millennials well we're trying to find easier ways to do things why is that bad well and, and that's the thing and it kind of speaks to the way that most millennials are communicating it's over text so <laughs> if, real if, quick if you know any millennials um and you communicate with them a lot of times if you call them they'll be like uh, they'll be they'll weird be on the phone. They'll first, be confused. Yeah. They feel uncomfortable on the phone. They're like, oh, why don't you just text? 
you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I guess I get it. I kind of used to be that person, but I'm at a point now where it's like, if I have to say something to someone that takes more than, more than 20 seconds, I'm going to just call them. Call them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it's just a little message, like, Hey, going to be there soon. I'll, I'll go ahead and shoot yeah, a text. text. That's but, almost annoying to even call us. I'm almost there. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll be here. And if, if you're, if you're friends with me and you send me uh you know, a paragraph, a novel to, for me to read, don't ever fucking do that again. Don't yeah. do that. I, I assume, assume I dislike he, that. Assume he won't respond. I'll respond, but <laughs> I might put that uh, off for a while because it's not going to be my priority. So no, um, it's like that could have been a talk. It yeah, been a five minute phone call could have been a phone call. You know, yeah. I don't yeah, want to yeah. spend my time typing that no, shit up. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, hell no. No, but one thing is like I don't remember the entrepreneur. This I think it was Steve Jobs that said, um, if you want to get something done, uh, if you want to find the uh, the fastest way to get something done, give the problem to a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like not all the way the same, but it kind of is like how the millennials are. Where we try to find the quickest way, the best way, the most efficient way, mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be seen as lazy by generations who worked well, with their blood, sweat, and tears in their hands every day for twelve hours. Well, to, I also think it also know. takes a certain um, personability out of it. I I, agree, I would agree with that too. To some degree, I would agree with that because a lot of efficiency. Because I didn't mean to cut you off, oh, but um, a lot of efficiency is. Um, is automation. Yeah, right. machines are putting, I mean, they're putting people out of work. I mean, it's happening mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, and, and, and let's think back too. Let's think back. Let's, 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 let's move back to the second industrial revolution again. Like mm-hmm. there was times when people's jobs were, I'm sure people felt, felt strange about some of the automation in factories and, right. and, and, and rightly so. I and mean, rightly so. So do you, do you have a little bit of in-depth knowledge about that part of things, like the the the, the businesses and the and the structuring sure. of, of machines within the mm-hmm. you know because because that happens today all the time, but but still to st- set the stage, how did that so, work in the second? So so you're saying moving from the first to the second industrial revolution? Yeah, and like what were some of the technologies that did those same kind of things that are doing mm-hmm. now? What are the automation systems that you know maybe people were scared are going to put them out of work? And, sure, but instead they should have learn to work beside them alongside these technologies well you know i mean when when they came up with nuclear energy in the second industrial revolution um the coal industry took a huge smack to the face it wasn't gone but it was almost like just destroyed to uh, oblivion because Mm -hmm. you know that think think about that was the resource that powered the entire economy right everything right and now now that's obsolete now we found an energy source that's much more efficient can produce it way faster, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was I, I don't have a whole lot of in depth no, that's knowledge. Fine. That's fine. And, and guys, part of this is going to be I, I'm not claiming to be an expert. Absolutely about not. Any of these things, I'm going to make that abundantly clear. I am not an expert, but what 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 I am, I am very interested and passionate about this topic. And what I will do is I'm going to be kind of like a. Like, like I said, I'm 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 the the person that's gonna bring this from a niche topic. The liaison. The liaison. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's that's the best word. I'm I'm a liaison from taking this niche topic to a you know a commonplace topic. Um, this this needs to be something. This needs to be a conversation that's happening a lot because it's gonna affect all of us. Because the way that we communicate, the way we get around, and the way that we power 
all of that life. It's about to change. It's about to change. Well, it's changing actively. Well, it is right now. It is actively. It is right now. It's I mean, maybe not as abundantly clear in America at right. this time. But right. But again, like you mentioned, in Germany and China, it's overwhelming. It is. When did they? When did Germany say they're going to be all clean energy? 2030. That's not that. That's 11 years. Yeah. That's 11 years mm-hmm. away. And right now they're at 30%. That's pretty crazy already. Yeah, China will be right behind them. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's just so much bigger. There's so mm-hmm. much more to do there. So yeah, they, 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 they want to be the leader. They want, China <laughs> has vowed yes. to be the leader in the third industrial revolution. Hey, and you know what? I think they're going to be. <laughs> yeah, because they missed out on the first and second. So, Adam, <laughs> wh- why is that? Why is that so? Why is that such a big deal? Why is it important that they miss the first and second? Why can they jump into the third then? That's a really good question. Because America, we're the mo- we're the big beasts, right? Why can't we jump like that? Well, it is something that I said, I touched on, I didn't really dig into it. Dig. Yeah, it's huge. So like I said earlier, right now, the United States is more tapped into the second industrial revolution. Sorry, guys. Thanks for that alarm, Zach. Sorry, yeah, I guess that was just... Uh... <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I need to turn my phone. So. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, America is just so tapped into this second industrial revolution um, platform, um, this infrastructure that it's it's going to be hard to move it to a sustainable third industrial revolution um, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just going to be so hard. Now, in places that aren't as industrialized, like yeah. Africa, mm-hmm. um, China, yep. uh, Germany. Places in South America. So, places in South America, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, those are places where it's going to be easier. Because think about all these... You know, these huge nuclear power plants are all over America. You know, these American-owned um, energy companies that are in other other countries, um, all of a sudden, you know, pretty much everyone's going to be moving on without them. And, and they're going to say, you know, we want sustainable energy. We don't want a centralized um, right. source of energy, right? right? We want to control the production and the distribution of our energy, right? Well, and, and talking about that, I think we need to go back to the second for uh, second industrial revolution for a moment and mention the big hosses the big boys the mm. big names that dominated the big boys that changed how people got around right well this is huge this is so big i mean and if you look at the titans yeah. if you look at the titans i mean they're, they're really hitting um they're they're hitting those main uh infrastructure pieces yes. in the industrial revolution so you know rockefeller mm. John Rockefeller, he yep. was he was the oil guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he was all about the nuclear energy. Now, um, fossil fuels are in pretty much everything that we consume, right? It's in our food. Way, way more stuff than people realize. Right. So um, It's not just gas in your car. Yeah, so the oil industry really affects so much more than, um, you like know, transportation. fuel, yeah. transportation, and energy. I mean, it's so much bigger than that. I mean, it's in so many of our products. It's in all of our plastics. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I won't go into it no, right no. now. But John Rockefeller was one of the, the – basically what I'm saying is the way you're living your life right now is almost 100% due to Rockefeller's vision yes. and his execution on his vision. Now, yes. I won't say that you know everything he did was entirely savory. No, he's, he's, he's a dog. He no, was he was. a dog, man. He was. And he, he, he was willing to – if, if, if you didn't comply with his mm-hmm. offers and his deals, he's like, okay, sweet. You're going to get crushed. Mm-hmm. And they would get crushed mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, talk a little bit about that and how he kind of how he kind of got in there and, and did his thing. Because I think that's so interesting. You know, he was you – know, he really was a savage. I mean, there were, there, there were times <laughs> – He's the definition of savage, man. No, he was, he was really a savage. I mean, he – 
basically his philosophy, unspoken philosophy was um, either I buy you out for a good price or I make you go out of business through brute force. Yep. That was essentially his game plan. <laughs> and it worked. I mean, it works. Very well. It works. But, um, you know, at the time before um, Teddy Roosevelt came to the picture, he was mm. largely responsible for creating regulations which were much needed. Mm. Much needed. Um, there's some really fucked up stuff going on in the factories. Um, oh, people were dying like oh yeah, child every labor. day. Like, I, yeah, I, and, yeah. That's the reason and, we don't have child labor anymore. Is right. that whole time period and, and right I, there? And I and I will say a lot of what John Rockefeller and these titans did was very unethical by today's standards. Um, oh, super. So, um, yeah, I mean that that's what I would have to say about that. Mm. But then there's another guy. There's another guy who took things a little differently at that time. Andrew Carnegie. Carnegie, man. Now he's he's my guy. I, like, I know. I, like I know Carnegie. he's your guy. Yeah. So he he was slick, man. You know what? He he started out his his career. He was a transportation guy. He was he was all about the railroads, right? Um, and he started out his career almost Rockefeller esque. Mm-hmm. He started out he was he was a conqueror, right? And that was um, more popular at the time. The world mm-hmm. was still conquering each other. You know, right. Places were right. Still. Yeah. Right. Figuring it, things out. And competition really drove everything, right? Yep. Um, but with Andrew Carnegie, he. He had kind of a realization at the end of his career, right? And he was like, he was the f- one of the first, um, you know, abundantly rich people, meaning, you know, by today's standards, he would have been like multi, multi, multi billionaire, right? But he, yeah. as a, one of the richest people of his time, he was one of the first people to ever donate his entire, um, his entire fortune. Yeah, that was unheard of at the time. Yeah, it and now, now billionaires and millionaires, hundred oh, millionaires, they do, they they do, do it all the time. Yeah, they, they actually uh, he started billions? that trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, he, he, and he started that trend, so I, I really respect him for that. But the thing about Andrew Carnegie, he, what he understood about leadership and really uh, influence, and what he really understood was um, was partnerships, right? Yes, and, and connecting with other people, and and basically, so I'll tell you a little story. I was hoping you would. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I was going to bring story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Andrew Carnegie at the, you know, he he wanted to do a bunch of philanthropy at the end of his career, right? And he, uh, he and, you know, he and Rockefeller had done things together because you know transportation and energy is is very closely related, but you know they were never, you know, they weren't close. They didn't do a whole lot together. Rockefeller was kind of one of those psychopathic type dudes that oh, doesn't. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't really want friends. He just, you know, he's really self interested type of guy. From from what I know, I didn't know him personally, but <laughs> right, yeah. But Andrew Carnegie, he knew this about John Rockefeller, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the difference between John Rockefeller, he's he had a high sense of ego, right? Yes. High sense of ego. So at the end of John Rockefeller's career, he had a very bad reputation for his factory um, conditions, for how much you know, wealth he had amassed. Um, and at the end of his career, he was really trying to kind of strengthen his brand. Yeah. He literally was partnering with um, newspapers to kind of shed a more positive light on him, show sure. some of the good things that he was doing. So in light of this, um, Carnegie, he knew this. He knew all this, obviously. He's very tapped into what's going on um, in the business world. So he... He basically approached, and you guys have all heard of Rockefeller Center, right? Right. I mean, Rockefeller New Center, New York City. Right. So, so that really, that project, um, completely, um, ran by Andrew Carnegie. <gasps> Plot twist. Yeah, but 
what he did is he um, he basically got Rockefeller to donate money and just just by saying, well, I know he wants to improve his brand. So what if what if we do this big philanthropy thing and he funds it and then we just name it after him? And he knew naming it after him would kind of poke at that ego and be like, mm. oh, I have this big thing in New York City that's named after me now. Right. So Andrew Carnegie, what he was able to do was strike deals and get things done by leveraging other people's sensibilities. Mm. Right. So, so that's what he really understood. He understood how to network, how to partner, how to really bring, I don't want to say the best out of people, but... It seems it seems that maybe, way. Maybe he he could bring. He, yeah, I would probably I would probably agree with that. Even though you know Rockefeller was probably doing it out of self interest. Of course he was, but but but, but Car- it's it's interesting for the because, intended outcome. Right? Yeah, for the intended outcome because I don't think Carne I think Carnegie knew that he wasn't going to change how he was. Mm-hmm. Rockefeller wasn't going to change how he was, but it's interesting now because Rockefeller's. Um, his wish to be remembered in a more positive light worked mm-hmm. because of what Carnegie did. Because mm-hmm. Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller Plaza is one of the main places people go in New York City. Mm-hmm. People just know, most for the most part, Rockefeller is one of the famous guys that made America great. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, the, mm-hmm. most people don't, honestly, it's sad. They don't have that much more of an in-depth knowledge mm-hmm. about who Rockefeller was. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, he was a business guy that helped make America. It's like, yeah, you're right, yeah. but... He was a brutal motherfucker. A brutal dude, man. Like, yeah. about as brutal as you get. Um, but it's interesting because it worked. It did work. He's did. He's, he's remembered very differently mm-hmm. than he mm-hmm. was <laughs> mm-hmm. by the masses, I would yeah. say. Um, yeah. So this is another question. I'm, I'm kind of turning this into, like, I guess I, it sounds like I'm interviewing you right now, but I just like this is just... You, ha- you, you, have, you have more of the sauce in your brain right now, so I'm trying <laughs> to set you up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? No, I'm, I'm happy to talk about any of this stuff. Dude. So you, you, you move from those times, right? Mm-hmm. Let's bring it back to now. Who are those guys today? I know who they are, mm-hmm. but I want you to talk about who those guys are today and well, what they're doing. I mean, to, to, I mean like, if, you know what I mean? Like, it depends this, on how you look at it, really. How, um, do you, how do you look at it? So, I mean, the, <clears throat> I'm always going to look at it from the basis of, of what this really is, right? Sure. So it's communication, mm-hmm. it's transportation, mm-hmm. and it's energy. Right? Right. So this is happening in a multitude of ways. And I think that the main thing is that it's moving from one company or one organization making it happen to many working mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and horizontally integrating all these, um, all these technologies, all these um, infrastructures, and, uh, and creating something that really works for everyone. So, for example, Facebook, right? <laughs> Zucks. Mark Zuckerberg. Zucks! Now, people have their opinions about him, right? About the fact that he's collecting our data and using it to sell, you know, working with Google and YouTube and every other internet, you know, yeah, thing. Did you, did you guys, did you guys uh, watch, the, watch the trial where Mark Zuckerberg went to, to Congress and everything? Go watch that. He was in front of the Supreme Court. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of funny in some instances, mm-hmm. but... Um, it's, it's, it's important to watch, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyways, go ahead. So, Zach, I just want you to touch really quick sure. on, you know, I know you're a guy that's leveraging 
social media to your to your advantage, right? Yes. So a lot of people have a lot of negative things to say about social media, um, but social media has been coming out, you know, with Instagram, with Facebook, with Snapchat, mm-hmm. with all these different communication technologies. How do you how do you suggest that people leverage this in a positive way and not become a victim of it, like we were talking about earlier? Well, there's there's something to preface all of this. Um, this kind of almost ties into um, overarching truths because it's almost like there's there's the line between good and evil is is for example is very blurry in a way Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that there is there are people and then there's energy in the world and then people can harness it for good and bad I believe that technology is not good or bad it is a framework, it is a tool, and it is the people who use it and how they use it that ultimately decides if it's good or bad. Hmm. So what I will say is you can easily like go on any go on any YouTube video, go on anybody's Instagram, and scroll through the comments, right? You will have people on there saying some of the most heinous, disgusting things you'll ever you'll ever see people say. Bully, right? All types all types horrendous of stuff. stuff. Yeah. People legitimately drive others to suicide. Now, in the end, suicide is a choice, but it's it's because of you know a, a lot of this this harassment, bullying online. That's that's one example of of negative how it can be used negatively, or you know to 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 push propaganda or to push false narratives about government agencies or about different people. You know, biased any, agendas. Biased agendas. That's probably the biggest one for me is is biased agendas, but. The way that you can harness all of this technology for good, like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, is by... Now, there's obviously a lot of ways and a lot of different people have different opinions about this, but I think it's by being authentic, being true to who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't share all your personal stuff. Just Mm -hmm. don't. You can if you want, I suppose, but it just... Don't turn it into a place where you go bitch and moan. And again, it goes back to not being a victim. Like, mm-hmm. I think people should not be a victim in general, but definitely don't use this technology for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is an ugly, it, it gives the technology an ugly reputation, in my opinion. So, and I, I think um, what Facebook and these, and these uh, online platforms are really good are for creating community. I was, that's exactly can, can, where can I was you talk go, about man. how you can create community and Absolutely. be a part of a community mm-hmm. through social media and kind of have these positive benefits. Well, here's, here's, here, this is one example right here. You've started a podcast, right? Podcasts create communities. Take JRE, for example, Joe Rogan experience. That's like a cult now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like Chris D'Elia, who is a comedian, he has one and he literally specifically says, Oh, I have a cult. Like that's what he calls his podcast listeners. So he's obviously a comedian, but he's kind of serious because <laughs> it can get to that really quick, man. Yeah. It's it, the technology is getting so intimate now that it feels like, like podcasts feel like somebody else. You're just in the room. If you watch Joe Rogan's experience on online, it feels like you're, you guys are just all in there chopping it up, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, think about all the Facebook groups that you guys are in, mm-hmm. you know, think about, think about the followers you have on Instagram, the followers that's all community. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Now you may not use it that way. You may not use it to specifically connect 
with people and grow, you know, grow friendships with them or, you know, or whatnot. Some people just put stuff online to entertain or just to Mm -hmm. show people what they're doing. But Mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of business people, if you look at a lot of um, people like Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Mm -hmm. Simon Sinek, all these different high level people, uh, Tom Bilyeu, all those guys, they're all creating a community of people who want to grow and who want to get better with them. And it's become so powerful. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. There's not, there's never been a better time to do something like start a podcast. There's never, there's no, there's no barrier to entry. Now, again, you, there will be, there will be though. There will so be in the future. People need to get Guys, in here, bro. Attention is fucking free right now. That's Take insane. Of, Take advantage of it. Seriously, because think think about, and this is a this is a good way to kind of transition over to um, the third industrial revolution as communication is concerned. Right. Mm-hmm. So before, with I mean, the telephone was the first horizontally integrated communication technology, right? So basically, what I mean by vertical vertically integrated versus horizontally integrated. Mm-hmm. So the printing press, the newspaper, right? Yeah. That's a centralized way of getting out a message. So if you notice in society, when people were getting their main information um, and they're getting the same information, they're they're getting it from the newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of older people um, in the older generations, they have more commonly held beliefs because there wasn't a platform for people to share ideas and for people to express their unique ideas. Um, It was was very much... um, there was a status quo and there was common sense things that came out in the paper and that was just the knowledge that you had. Do you, do you, do you remember, uh, we don't remember this personally, but uh, I'm sure you guys have, have read about the, the famous um, radio broadcast, George Orwell's War of the Worlds. Mm, could you talk about that a little bit? Please? Yeah, I think this is really important because it things have changed now and we have more access to things, but... This story will kind of show that once a kind of echo chamber is created in a certain way, uh, or or a centralized system, or a centralized Communic- communication yeah, yeah, yeah. source has the power, this can happen. So there's a book called War of the Worlds by George Orwell, and for those of you who have not read that book, you should. It's very interesting, but it basically talks about an alien invasion, and it was written. I don't know. When the, it was a very old book. Um, and there was a broadcast, and I apologize for not having the date of the of the of the re- release of this radio broadcast. But basically, someone came on the radio and started reading from this book as if it were just happening. Mm-hmm. Absolute mass chaos happened all over the United States. People were committing suicide. They were packing up their vehicles. They're like, like. They had no television at the time. They had no way to confirm that this was true. They just heard a radio broadcast come on and started saying that aliens are attacking. And so they took that as verbatim. They took that as as law. And mass chaos ensued. Obviously, things were fixed up. And, and, and Right. But, but that's the danger of having... That's what I mentioned earlier about, like, biased news sources. Mm-hmm. Biased news sources do that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. They tell you just what they want you to know. Or what they want mm-hmm. you to think is true. 
Well, and now because everything is so so much more horizontal. Yes. When you see some crazy shit like that, you're gonna take it with a grain of salt. Because you can right? cross reference now. Right. You can just go to right. Google, bro. Mm-hmm. You just go say, mm, "That sounds mm-hmm. whack," and then you can or, check. Or you can go, you know, talk or you listen to an expert or someone yeah. that's more knowledgeable yes. than you. Just speak on it, and that's what I prefer to do. I don't, I don't really want to tap into the traditional news sources. I would rather um, go know, right to the source of who the expert is yeah right I, I, w- I would rather listen to very informed individuals educated individuals um, share their thoughts you know and in long form discussion because you know these issues are really so complex that they can't be broken down into a two minute news story you know or Absolutely even a, or even not. a 10 minute news interview uh, no 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 and there's a lot going on right there yeah there, there's been some crazy examples in the last year or two of a guy named Jordan Peterson, yeah. who, who is um, a psychologist. Uh, he was a professor at the University of, he, at Harvard, actually, and then the University of Toronto. But he is trying to spread messages of um, taking responsibility, shouldering, shouldering the, basically shouldering the, the wrongs of mankind, uh, accepting that you could be, you could be, um, you know, you could do things like that in the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. But just take your responsibility, right? Well, and, and to speak on on what on Jordan Peterson's view on long form versus like yes. news, I, I was listening to him on I, th- I believe it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> he was basically just talking, and he said that he went on a news segment, you know, for one of those ten minute interviews, and he really just fully realized, you know, the full breadth of these conversations can't be covered. In that amount of time. It's no. just too complex. There's just too much there, right? But what he was saying is that, you know, the people who have been distributing this information, you know, predominantly the people who are have high influence, mm-hmm. th- the assumption for a long time is that people aren't smart enough to listen to a long-form discussion and all these complex ideas and, and create their own their own beliefs, right? Right. They, they thought, oh, no, they, they, they need this spoon-fed to them, and they need to... Just a little blurb. Just, just a little, little blurb so they have an idea of what's going on. Yep. And then they can assume the rest, I guess. I don't fucking know. It's, no, it I seems no crazy. Idea. No, it is crazy. But what we're finding out now is that people are much smarter... They're than, hungry for that long yeah, form, people bro. are much smarter than we previously ever thought. Yes. People have the ability to sit down and listen to, you know, we're 40 minutes into this podcast. People have the attention span now. Adam, I've listened they to four-hour podcasts yeah. beginning to end. Yeah. It's cra- it sounds crazy. but well, And it's good because you, in these long-form discussions, you can really hit every part of the issue. Yes. And that's and that's going back to Jordan Peterson. And it, 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 he, another thing he realized is that, you know, he... There was an interview that he did with Kathy Newman. Please go watch it. It's oh my unbelievable. God. It's I, unreal. It's a riot. But it's like 10 minutes long, right? Mm-hmm. They, they interviewed for 40 minutes. Like half hour or 40 minutes. Yeah. And they cut. They put everything in there that made him look like a jerk. That's what they do with a lot of these videos. Mm-hmm. I think he may be the most misrepresented person I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like everybody calls him alt-right. They call him a Nazi. They call him... Things that he specifically denounces all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, you know, some people I don't think actually can consume. I don't think everybody is, is meant to consume long-form discussion because you know what I see all the time now? And this is just kind of a result of that happening over and over again, I think, is that people will see the title of an article, clickbait, and they will share it without reading it. 
Mm-hmm. And that just spreads hate often. Mm-hmm. Like, for, you know, Jordan, for an example, I've seen people share, share um, you know, news stories, didn't even read the article. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's pretty sad. It's scary mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why these discussions are so important to get people to listen to, man. But the good news is we're all together moving toward um, a world where everyone can communicate freely yes. with everyone else. Yeah. And, 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 I'm, and, and we're, talking, <clears throat> we're talking that you in Kentucky can talk to some dude in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. – I'm going to transition a little bit here. You can, you can get on the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. This is a concept we're going to be hitting a lot, guys. Internet yeah. of Things. Remember that. Um, Internet of Things. Remember it. Hey, Internet of Things. <laughs> but you can get on there, and I'm going to say, like, this is going to sound crazy, but, like, long term, you're going to be able to sell power to the Internet of Things. Yeah. yeah. That you've created. And, and with the last 15 minutes, let's kind of go into the third industrial revolution, just to end this out strong, right? Cool, man. Okay. So we've already hit. I feel like we've already hit so, so, uh, communication so, pretty well. So we've we've talked about yeah the basics of like how this has all kind of happened in the past. But what's the point of this? What, what's actionable? Mm. What what why why are we trying to make this? Why right. why do you want to make this mainstream? You know. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, like I said, this is something that's going to affect everyone. So as far as like the uh, transportation goes, look, look at look at Uber, right? That's it, it's really. Really what this is all about, the third industrial revolution is all about a sharing economy Hmm. because that increases productivity, right? So it's been, (coughs) excuse me, it's been proven, it has been proven that with enough scale, Uber, Ubering everywhere, ride sharing is cheaper than owning a car. Let that sink in. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. Think of the implications behind that. Now there, there, there are did certain. You, did you hear the the move that Uber just did too? I didn't. Well, can you tell the people? <laughs> yeah, they um, they're getting into the trucking industry, mm. like semis across the country. Mm. Oh, and what did Elon just make? <gasps> Electric semis. Mm. That's crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. No. It, it, <laughs> no. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, and and there's going to be a point where. Um, I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but there's currently businesses that are working on a concept that there's just going to be a huge parking garage, right? Picture this. There's a huge parking garage. Mm-hmm. There's all, all these automated, they're self-driving cars. And, clean electric. Yeah, clean electric, of course. Um, but they're always just driving around town. They're always, it's basically just Ubers always driving around and you order one and the nearest one will come pick you up. Now that's how we're going to be that's how we're going to move economic life. That's how we're going to get to work in the morning. That's how we're going to go to the store. You know, that's how we're going to go to our parents' house. Um, you know, I think, and I think that's really important because, you know, the, the amount of waste um, that, we all, that we all go into, you know, the, the amount of waste that we all produce by, yeah. by owning, by each owning things is, is just outstanding. So oh, it is. really the theme of this third industrial revolution is going to be changing the paradigm from individual ownership to sharing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, and that's how it used to be with knowledge. Knowledge used to be a very centralized thing. Now it's going to be horizontal. Now, energy, the energy industry, That this mm-hmm. is a big one, right? So this is a... Really quick, yeah, just to touch it. on the last thing, just to be clear, 
We're not saying we want to go to a fully socialist society. Mm-mm. That is not what we're saying. Mm-mm. I'm sure some people may hear that it's going to be, oh, communism, everybody's... No, 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 no. No, That's it's, not what we're saying. It's going to be a cooperation. It's, it's going to yes. be a cooperation of different types of organizations. So it's going to be a cooperation <laughs> of for-profit organizations and non-profit organizations. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. You know, capitalism isn't going anywhere, but we're no. looking um, at capitalism through the wrong framework. I believe I... Well, we, it, we're looking at it through an old framework. I think it needed to be that well, way at the time. Well, I think, do you think so. I think it's wrong, because well, do you think it's wrong now, or do you think it's just wrong? It's been wrong in the past, mm. because people. Do you think they could have accomplished the same things if they would have looked at it differently? Uh, I mean, I think they would have accomplished more if they would have looked at it through the laws of thermodynamics. Oh, if, well, yeah, but, they may have moved a lot quicker. <laughs> but but the original economists, they were looking at the economy through the lens of. Um, uh, what, what's the guy, equal and opposite reaction, um, Newton. Oh, yeah, Newton's right. law of... Re- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, they were thinking that supply and demand is all that exists. But the thing that they forgot about is the third thing is, you know, the, the three things that move productivity in business is better people, better so better workers, good workers, good machines, good technology, right, and aggregate efficiency, Oh, so people don't know what that means, Adam. I'm going to talk a lot more about that as well. Jeremy Rifkin, that's this is his thing. He has a yes. whole book. It's called the um, – uh, I don't know exactly what it's called. It's called the um, – I forgot. But basically aggreg- can, ag- yeah, aggregate efficiency, essentially what it is, is the potential output or energy mm-hmm. output versus the actual output. Yes. So, so it shows how efficient you are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So th- those are the three parts of productivity. Now, you know, the early economists, they didn't, they either, for, they just didn't know. They didn't have the right framework. The sure. laws of thermodynamics, um, you know, hadn't existed yet. So physicists know this, you know, they, they yes. understand these laws. And now these modern economists are studying physics, right? And that's why we're coming into a world where everything is going to be zero marginal cost. And that's, that's another topic we're going to get that's to. That's a crazy one. So at a base level, right, zero marginal cost really means, you know, like I was saying earlier, if we're all sharing things and reusing waste and having a sustainable source to power everything, mm-hmm. there should be a point where transportation should be near free. There should be a, a point where communication should be near free. There should be a point where energy should be near free Mm -hmm. this is already happening this is already happening in germany this is happening in china as we speak there are small medium-sized businesses all over germany and china that are producing their own energy redistributing it back to you know commercial you know commercial uh organizations Mm -hmm. back to um cities you know it it just really depends literally in china there are farmers who are taking entire Mm -hmm. like I'm talking hundreds of acres, just like ridiculous amounts of land, mm-hmm. all solar panels. Yeah, and, and think about this. This is how I like to look at it. I'm in the real estate industry, right? So property, real estate, at least in America, you know, where we have property rights. Um, <laughs> where we have property rights, yeah. um, it's horizontally integrated. It's not like the energy companies where 
you know, this small percentage of people own all the real estate, you uh-huh. know, like they own all the energy and produce all the energy. It's owned by everyone. People can freely buy houses. You can um, sell your house to anybody you want. Yeah, but you can also be a landlord. You know, you can own uh-huh. lots of houses, but it's not um, vertically integrated. It's not as, easy to monopolize. Right. Very right. difficult to monopolize. Right, but there are some places where yes. the state yes. owns all of the all of the um, property assets. Hey, um, so, be thankful that it's not that way in America. Yeah, and it's not that way, and we should be thankful for that, just as you said. But yeah. um, where was I going with that? Um there's so much here, man. Um, yeah, here's what I was saying. So basically, think of energy as something in the future that we as individuals, as individual small business owners, we'll be able to produce our own energy, sell it back to the sell it back to the grid, you know, and keep what we need for ourselves, and produce it at pretty much zero marginal cost. Because I mean, think of the the startup cost to let's say just a you know a solar farm. You know, four mm. or five acres of land. Mm. You get the solar panels, and you sell that energy back to the grid until you know that investment pays for itself. Um, and you know, after a certain amount of time, um, you know the the amount of money it's going to take to create so many watts of energy is going to be near zero. Yes, because you're not having to spend any more to produce that energy. Right. right. So that's really the point. That's how everything, you know, in the next twenty to thirty years everything's going to be free and, and it's all through a sharing economy right not through redistribution of wealth i mean no, i'm telling you, i i only say that because i think that some people will definitely think that's what we're saying well the difference is that it's the, not the, at all the, the the this is a cooperation between individuals that yes. agree to be a part of this platform while what he's talking about is state redistribution or forced redistribution of wealth, which is something that a lot of people actually still want, but mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> this way is much smoother. It allows everybody to have the ability to take responsibility for their life. They can build wealth this way. Mm-hmm. They can they can become more free. So, this, this, there's so many positives. And really, to go back to really the core of this whole podcast, it's called all of us, right? And I touched on that a little bit in the beginning, but. Really what this means, like we are all entrepreneurs. We all need to be entrepreneurs in the third industrial revolution. Mm. We all need to be producing our own energy. Mm. This is the biggest social entrepreneurial shift that's ever happened in history. Ever. This is this Not is, even close. This is a different <laughs> level of freedom for people all over the world that we've never experienced. And really to me, what being an entrepreneur is, is controlling your life. It's having control over your destiny. That's really what entrepreneurship is. And that's why this podcast is called All of Us. Because we're all entrepreneurs in the third industrial revolution. And that's beautiful. So um, we're, we're, we're nearing our hour mark. I don't want to go over that hour. I'll have to start a new segment. Um, but I want to thank Zach. Yeah, man. Zachary. My brother, this was for fun. being on the show. It was really fun. Yeah. Now, this again, like he said, this was a very like, like one day, literally, he may spend an hour talking about just aggregate efficiency. So, like, right. he's got to delve well, into this stuff more. Right. This is very and base level. This is very base level. I was just kind of just laying a little bit of a groundwork for what this podcast is all about, sharing a little bit of the knowledge that I have currently. I'm actually at the library right now. Just picked up a couple cool looking books. I'm going to read out the the titles. You guys feel free to go. Check those out at your library. Mm-hmm. Get the 
audiobook. you know audiobook yeah. if if it exists. Um, one of them is called Behemoth, a history of the factory and the making of the modern world. So this is all about the second industrial revolution. I think the first and second actually, um, and it's by Joshua B. Freeman. Go check that out, guys. And the other book. Um, this is this is a real. I'm really excited for this one. This one is called From Silk to Silicon. The story of globalization through ten extraordinary lives. So, this one it sounds like what they're doing is. Um, oh, by the way, that that's uh, the author of this book is Jeffrey E. Garten, um, and, and it sounds like this book is really what they're trying to do is tell the story of globalization, um, and you know the evolution of the economy, of communication, and all these things, and how history, um, and how history can change our future. Um, it, it looks really interesting. They're doing it through um, stories of, of real people. So, and I think that's the most effective way to get a point across is a good ass story. So, <laughs> I agree, man. Yeah. All right. That will conclude episode one of All of Us. Tune in next time.